everyone. Welcome back. Another great episode today. Zooming in from beautiful Edmonton, Alberta. We've got one of our clients and a rock and roll real estate entrepreneur, Dylan Delzell. And he's here to tell us a little bit about what he's up to with real estate investing, the methodology that he's focusing on these days, which is the Burr strategy and all things real estate. So Dylan, great to see you again, buddy. Good to have you on the show. Nice seeing you, Dave. All right. So for folks who don't know very much about you, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into this weird and wonderful world of real estate investing, because you got interested in this way earlier than most of us. Yeah, when I was pretty young, like, I don't know, 15 or 16, I got a couple books about uh, investing and started digging into investing at that age. And then when I was 19, I bought my first house and house hacked that and built that up with some fellows and built some equity. I hit it at the right time. So I bought the house in 2006. And then in 2008, pretty much everything doubled. So made some money off that. And then I was pretty much hooked from that time forward in real estate and just dug into it deep and joined some things like Rain and read lots of books and met lots of people and gained some good knowledge. And then just kept moving along. All right. So what you started with that first house, you bought at 19. That is amazing. Most people are thinking how that, you know, 19, I look at 19 year olds these days and most of them are sitting in front of their computer playing video games 23 hours a day. So hats off to you. I guess you must've had a decent job at that point or how were you able to buy that first house? Yeah, I, even since I was like 14, I had two jobs. So I just saved, saved, saved. And then I moved to Alberta when I was 19 again and jumped in the oil field and stayed there for four years. So built up a nice little nest egg working long shifts out of town. And then, yeah, one day my parents basically came. And after living at their house here for a year and a half, they said, you have to move out. And <laughs> best option at that point was buy a place and it literally worked out just perfect because, yeah, about 12 months later, the market started to skyrocket here. So, Oh, that is wonderful. All right. So you started off with that first kind of lucky break, I guess. Your parents giving you that nudge, a.k.a. kick in the ass to get out of the house and bought that first house. And then what did real estate look like for you moving forward? What Because it sounds like you're still working full time. What kind of real estate deals were you doing early on, Dylan? We're just buying, buying holds. Like, so I go with my girlfriend not too long after that. She had just bought in a condo. So we moved into her condo for a little bit. And then we started looking at our basically second home kind of thing. And we looked for a house that we could renovate and make a suite in the basement. Mm -hmm. So that was our second investment property. Did lots of renovations, made lots of mistakes, learned lots through the renovation process. And built a nice little suite in the basement. And then from there, we bought a couple other properties and renovated and did minor things and changes. Basically working with the burst strategy, coming up with more properties that we can cash flow on. And then uh, now we have three suited rentals, a condo, and two regular houses as rentals. Very nice. It sounds like you've kind of dialed in on the burst strategy are both you and your girlfriend still working at this time? Yeah, we both work. And obviously, we do all the property management ourselves in-house. But we've got that somewhat fairly dialed in now. 
after dealing with some nightmare tenants and some good tenants and everything. So we've okay. Uh, well, it's it's. I hate to peel off the band aid there, buddy, but you you opened it up for that. So tell us your nightmare tenant story. We we won't compare, but <laughs> I've, I've had a few of those myself. And what was the, the biggest learning that you got from that? And, and what are you guys doing differently after that? You know, we had a girl that we had bought in this house, first tenant in there. She came in, she looked great. You know, she had just gotten a divorce, so she didn't have much credit, et cetera, et cetera. Her credit wasn't very good, but she was a perfect tenant. She was a very nice lady. She talked well. And she had a couple of daughters, one little dog. So we kind of just bypassed our normal strategy of looking into credit and doing background checks and everything. She moved in. Two months later, the check stopped rolling in. Oh. And yeah, basically told us she's not going to get us any more rent. So we had to go through the process. By the time that rolled around, it was around Christmas time. And we had to go to the RTDRS, which in Alberta is the Residential Tenancy Dispute uh, Resolution Services. So yeah. we had to go to them. And then so you have to give them 30 days notice to evict. So then at that point, it was almost Christmas time. And then we had to meet with a judge and the judge was delayed because of Christmas. Long story short, it was almost three months until we had to get a sheriff to literally go there with us kick her out but in the long story with that process you have to give her or them 30 days to vacate the premises with all their stuff and every time you go to their property you have to bring the sheriff and you have to let them in the door which you have to pay for the sheriff every time you went in and we would have to go let her in to pack her stuff and she basically dragged it on for another month so it's Basically four months altogether without any rent coming in. So we obviously took her damage deposits. But the saving grace was she didn't trash the house, which would have been a big killer. But so and, and how much did it cost each time the sheriff went in? I think it was two hundred bucks. So it wasn't that bad, but at the uh, same time, like I think we were down about fifty five hundred bucks at the end of it. So that was a big learning experience for us. And now we do, you know, credit checks, background checks. Check on reference uh, checks. <laughs> yeah, lots of reference checks, employment checks, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was worst case scenario, and it came, and you know, we learned a lot from it. So now, yeah, well, it wasn't quite worst case scenario. Worst case would have been her drug dealing new boyfriend came in and trashed the place in the meantime and turned it into a druggy house. That, which I've seen that happen too. So anyhow, <laughs> lessons yeah. learned. So you've tightened up the whole tenant screening process, tenant management process. I guess that's a big benefit of kind of doing your own management is you can keep on top of that a lot sooner. Now, did you try to cut her some slack at the beginning and and be the nice guys for a while and that dragged it out even longer? Like knowing what you know now, if you were in that situation again, what would you do differently? I mean, let's say you already let her rent the place and she stopped paying. What what would you do differently under that circumstance? Yeah, now we would definitely get on it sooner. Like you have to give an eviction notice. So how it works at the RTDRS in Alberta is you have to give an eviction notice and you can't go to the RTDRS until 14 days after you've given the first eviction notice to give a second one. And then at that point, you can go to the RTDRS and file a claim. 
So we dragged our feet and I think that went on about a month. So now it's soon as somebody doesn't pay rent, it's the next day, there's a notice on their door. And then you have 14 days after that to do your second notice. So it's just little things like that where you don't know at the beginning. So So have you had to do the eviction noticing very much with with non-payment of rent or it hasn't been an issue these days? Never again, because now we do our checks and we've got... We got a couple of good apps and websites that we use that you know dig deeper into people. One of them actually gives us a report card on the tenant. So at the end of it, they have to type in a ton of information, and if they don't want to do it, then we just say you're, you're not the tenant for us. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, very very smart. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes we learn best from these painful experiences. But I would imagine that I don't know if in that particular property it was one of your suited properties, but that is one of the advantages of of having a, a suited type property is if one tenant doesn't pay the rent or you got a vacancy for a month or something like that, the other tenant, the rent from that kind of helps cover, cover your nut for the month. Anyhow, is, is that part of the reason why you got into these suited properties? That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there. This is Dave Debo, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. Exactly. Then you've got, you know, multiple revenue streams from one property instead of just one. So if something does go wrong or somebody loses a job, whatever they have to move out, then you still kind of cover your bases and you're just not taking such a hit. So Dylan, one of the questions I want to ask is, you know, you and and Marsha, your girlfriend have been together for quite some time. You've been, you know, partners in life and partners in real estate investing how do you find that and how do you kind of, you know, because you're both working full time and, and self-managing properties and looking to, to expand, how do you divvy up responsibilities? Who does what? She doesn't like to take control of dealing with the tenants per se, but she's getting better at it. And I kind of deal with the renovation side of things, any repairs, you know, I'm the guy that jumps over there or I find the trades people to go in. But she's getting better and better. You know, it's just like any skill. The more you do it, the more interviews you do. But we just trade off back and forth. If she doesn't have time, then I jump in. If she doesn't have time, you know, back and forth. So, so uh, yeah, we just work together. We've got a good team, good system. We've got lots of Google Sheets going. We've got, you know, some apps going, all kinds of systems. So, you know, just trying to build a good system overall so that hopefully at one point we can just hire somebody that can do all that stuff. Yeah, you've set up all the SOPs and KPIs and all those acronyms that I forget what they mean sometimes. Standard operating procedures, key performance indicators. There you go. I remember what they are. <laughs> just, just so, yeah, you you got a system that you can hand off to somebody and they, you don't have to train them from scratch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, we got 10 years, maybe 15, and then we're, you know, maybe not here full time. And then we can have people in place running the properties and then, you know, passive income. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you've built up a nice little portfolio right now. It's chugging along nicely. You've got 
quite a bit of experience under your belt. You've seen the ups and downs in the market. You're primarily invested in and around Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. So within Albert, Alberta, that's a bit more of a stable market because Edmonton's the capital city. It's a, more of a steady eddy kind of market compared to the ups and downs of way up north and even in Calgary. But what have been some of your learning experiences through going through a, a market cycle or two? Yeah, you definitely got to play with rents. One thing we learned is, you know, if if rents are starting to drop, then you got to be ahead of the game because if you're trying to chase that rent flow down, you know, on one of our properties, like I started off when I first bought it, we started off at a good amount, it rented out fast. And then the second time we went to rent, the market had already started to come down. So I was chasing the market down 50 bucks, $100 drops, and I had to drop about 300 bucks altogether. Mm. And I wish I would have just dropped fully at the beginning because it was it was vacant for about two months. And, you know, that's a two month hit yeah. for, you know, if we were to drop the 200 bucks and got somebody in there one month earlier, it would have saved us a little bit more. So that's yeah. one thing is chasing that and then getting professional photos or doing nice photos, you know, doing a good cleaning job, doing those minor renovations too, where just, you know, a little bit of paint or changing out some flooring, whatever. Just make it a little bit easier to rent because in the long run, it's you're going to get a better quality tenant. You're going to rent it easier. So just put the money in and don't cheap out. Basically. Don't cheap out. <laughs> I hear you. I've been guilty of that myself. So you learn those lessons. Yeah, having it vacant for an extra month definitely doesn't make sense. And just putting in an extra four or five hundred bucks up front or whatever whatever it is is way, way smarter in the long term. So Dylan, you guys are doing this kind of part-time. When it comes to finding deals, what have you found has been most effective for you guys? I've got a good partnership with a couple of realtors. You get about five now that when something, you know, when we are looking, then we put it out to them. And normally one of them will be hungry enough to, you know, actually go out and look for something and bring us deals. So Versus like off-market type deals or or on-the-market type deals? Off-market, on-market, whatever, you know, just depends on the cycle. Like in the last mm. couple of years, it's been insane for different things. And we're looking for another property right now. So, yeah, typically we're trying to look for off-market, but sometimes they just get gobbled up so fast. And last year, it's been so fast that, you know, literally within a month, they're gone. So, yeah. You don't have reduction orders, so yeah, you got you got a lot of out of province investors coming in now, swooping in because compared to Ontario and BC, it relatively speaking, it's bargain basement prices in Alberta and still pretty good rents and much much better landlord tenancy rules and regulations compared to other places in Canada. So even though you went through that challenge compared to what people have to go through to evict somebody in in Ontario and in BC, it's it's a lot easier in Alberta, that's for sure. Yeah. So based on your now, geez, you first bought your first property, what did you say, 2006? So my goodness, my friend, it's, it's like 17 years you've been a real estate investor. What have been some of your biggest takeaways and, and have kind of really stuck with you throughout this, in addition to the, the lessons learned with your with your tenant there? Like compounding, you know, should have bought more when we were younger, just because every year you get that little bit of cash flow, you get that appreciation, you get that mortgage pay down. So I would have typically bought more when I was younger, and then you can slow down as you get older. Yeah. And you just get that compound effect where that that's a big one. And then just, you know, 
there's been some deals on the markets and stuff that we're like humming and hawing about. And really, it's just jumping on things. Don't be scared. You know, get after things. Because, you know, okay, so you make a mistake once in a while. It costs you a couple bucks. But all you're going to do is learn from those, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Like, so. Yeah, and I mean, time kind of irons those things out, typically. If, if you get into it and it's cash flowing positively and it's a decent property, that'll overcome a few little glitches along the way. That's for sure. So what are your goals, you and Marsha, moving ahead, Dylan? Where, what are your plans when it comes to real estate investing over the next couple of years? We're going to do, uh, we're looking for another three to five properties in Canada. We're starting to look more for a couple of vacation rental properties, maybe in the Okanagan, mm. possibly Vancouver, the Sunshine Coast. But typically still, we're going to look for three or four here at Edmonton and then starting to look a little bit offshores as well. But typically like our whole rental strategy is going to be in Alberta just because it's such a stable market. Yeah. There Plus you can so- self-manage if needed, right? That's that's a big advantage as well. Exactly. We've built up such a good network of trades, of real estate agents, everybody here. So now we basically have somebody to call for everything where if you start that somewhere else, it's going to take years to build that back up. So Exactly. No, that's the advantage of that longevity. And when it comes to real estate investing, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about your unfair advantage. He says that all of us have some sort of an unfair advantage that we bring to the table. We might not even be aware of, but it's something that comes easy to us that other people find difficult. It's something that's just kind of comes natural and we actually might even enjoy doing. So when it comes to real estate investing, Dylan, putting you on the spot here, but what would you say is number one, your unfair advantage? And number two, what do you think is Marsha's unfair advantage? Your, your business partner and your life partner. We're pretty good with finances for one, like together that, you know, we don't spend a lot. We keep our finances pretty low. We don't live outside of our means. So that's a good one for us is, you know, we always have some money coming in. We've got good credit and everything like that. So we can also, whenever a deal comes up, we can jump on it. And then for me specifically, I've been in construction now for 15 years. So I know lots of good trades people. I know you know, how construction works and schedules and buying materials and everything. So that's probably my biggest, you know, pro is anything with renovations. I just know people. Plus, I mean, when you go look at a property, you're not reliant on the property inspector to tell you what kind of shape the place is in. You know, right off the get-go. Plus, you got a really good idea of what is going to be involved and how much is going to cost to get that place fixed up. And then I also imagine it's a, Big advantage when, if and when you do get that, my toilet doesn't work, I need it fixed kind of call. If needed, you can be the guy that does that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely handy to be like that. But long term, you don't really want to be that person that jumps in. You want to just have a good network. That's where we've got that network. And then Marsha, she's good with the financial side. She's good at setting up systems. She's good at just analyzing things. So we both kind of, you know, yin-yang. Mm. Or we work together on all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's such a huge advantage when when I see couples working together in, in real estate and kind of really dialing in each other's respective strengths and weaknesses and showing each other that that way. It's it's almost like when you're working with a, a joint venture partner or investor, they're getting a, a twofer. <laughs> right? Exactly. They, they get the benefit of working with you guys as a team, plus your entire team 
uh, not just one person. So that's that's huge. Dylan, this has been great. So if people want to find out more and connect with you, what should they do? You can go to dylanmarsha.com. You can send us an email at allaboutholdings at gmail.com. Or you can send us a text or call at 780-966-8532. All right, my friend. It's always a pleasure working with you. Congratulations on what you guys have accomplished and keep up the good work. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.